and you want to open up, get turned to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 and verse 29, verse 29 and verse 30. We're going to read just um, a brief little passage that we're going to lift out of the narrative of the early days of the church. The first few days when the Holy Spirit was poured out and that, that wonderful church was birthed in the power of God. And <clears throat> immediately persecution rose up against the believers to try to discourage them and to try to immediately steal the word that was in their heart. Take their joy, quiet them down, get them to calm down. Um, and so Peter and, and John had been arrested. They'd been dragged before the Jewish high council. They had been punished. They had been warned, threatened, released back. And so when they came back together and the believers got together and prayed, this is a little couple of sentences taken out of their prayer. And so that's what we're about to hear. Acts 4, 29 and 30. And now, Lord, observe their threats and grant. Everyone say grant. And think for a moment of what that word means to you. What is a grant? Now, Lord, observe their threats and grant to your bondservants full freedom to declare your message fearlessly while you stretch out your hand to cure and to perform signs and wonders through the authority and by the power of the name of your holy Son, and servant, Jesus Christ. What a prayer. Um, a, a prayer that was based in an understanding. These people knew that they had a blood covenant relationship. And they knew what the Lord had offered to them. And they were asking for a grant based on His promise. Recently, Pastor Ramsey of Restoration Village Ministries and I made an appointment to meet with Clearwater Police Chief Dan Slaughter and to ask for the department's partnership in our Look Up Clearwater Music Festival coming in April uh, the 14th. So we came into the office and we sat down and I, I immediately said we're here to ask for the department's sponsorship. And I put my packet of material in front of him, which consisted of uh, two flyers. And one was a sponsorship flyer that presented the levels of sponsorship and with grants of this much money and this much money and this much money, this is what you get for those grants. Uh, the, the police department plus the county sheriff's department had been sponsors with the event previously last year, so he was familiar with what we were asking. So at any rate, um, I was finished in a, couple of minutes and Chief Slaughter with only a couple of minutes and a glance if you will at the packet of literature looked up at me and he said um, absolutely we'll partner with you and I am committing X number of dollars to the event and it was a uh, it was a fairly large amount of money and uh, he said we're gonna partner with you and here's the money now uh, I was excited to say the least, and I've got a couple comments about how I reacted there, right there in the office, and then, 
that immediately afterwards. But the first thing I'd like you to do is I want you to think with me. Why would the police chief of the city of Clearwater grant my request to partner with us and all the other churches that are working with us in this outreach endeavor? Why would he do that? And immediately say, I'm giving you this great big pile of money. Well, number one, there are three reasons, and I want to just briefly go through them with you. Number one, the first reason was that my request was in alignment with his purposes. I had worked very diligently at developing the program of Look Up Clearwater, what our vision was, what our purpose was, what the target was in this event. And I had put a lot of time into developing that and fellowshipping with my brothers and sisters in Christ to come up with that vision that the Lord had given us and to, to develop it and to present it in those materials. So all of my efforts, my diligent efforts and my work happened to align with the police chief's job, with his purpose, if you will. So he wasn't granting me partnership and he was not granting me money um, because he liked me, although he does like me. The people of our community. Somebody say amen. amen. So it was because we're doing things that advance his job. So that's the first reason, was that our plan and our request is in keeping with his purpose, and it advances his responsibilities. Now, people, I'm obviously not here this morning to preach the glories of Chief Dan Slaughter, who's a great guy and, and I believe loves the Lord. Um, but what I am here today to talk to you about is the fact that your Heavenly Father the almighty God of heaven and earth, who came into this world in his perfect appointed time as the Lord Jesus Christ, died for our sins, rose from the dead to give us right standing as the sons and daughters of the living God. He has a job. He has a responsibility. He has a goal. He has purposes. And if you want a grant from God, if you'd like God to write you a grant, He's more than willing to do it. But the first reason why I received that grant is the same reason that I want to challenge you with, and that is work diligently at developing a life that God wants to partner with and make sure that it aligns with His purposes. That's the first reason why God will give you a grant. It's because you work very diligently to make sure your life and the purposes that you're living by are in alignment with His purposes. Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. So Jesus came with a grant. 
At the river Jordan when he was baptized, you remember he stood up and the Bible says John saw the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased, the Father said. That was a grant from heaven. He was given a grant of power because his life and purpose was in alignment with the Father's purpose. So Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So God partnered with Jesus and gave him an equipping to do all those things that we read about in the Gospels. The Father granted Jesus his anointing and went with him because Jesus lived to do God's works. He lived not to be good, but to do good. Not that Jesus was living to be bad. I'm not suggesting that, but you understand. Some Christians think that their purpose for which God ought to grant them is that they've been good. But God has a purpose that involves not just your being, but more importantly, your doing, your works. In fact, the Bible says that when we stand before God on the day of judgment, we will be judged for our works. Not just how we've been, but the fruit that we have borne. Are you listening this morning? And so the Father granted Jesus the anointing and the power because of what Jesus was going to do. The Father said, I like this. Hallelujah. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 61, and I think, we, I probably read it in the beginning of the service. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He's sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open the prison doors to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of the Lord's deliverance, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all those that mourn in Zion and to give them, as we said in the beginning, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God saw that Jesus had come to give Glenn the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, to give Becky beauty for ashes that Jesus intended. He came with his proposal. I am going to do these things. And that proposal came right off the Father's desk. The Lord said, here's the grant. Somebody say, praise the Lord. So number one, if, if, if you want the Father to make a grant to you, develop your life so that what you do is going to be in line with what He wants done. Amen? Pretty simple, right? Number two, um, the second reason the chief so quickly said, I'm going to partner with you and I'm going to give you this money, was simply because it was in his budget to grant my request. If I'd have come towards the end of the year, it might not have been in his budget. You see, the chief has a limited, a limited resource. And so he gave it to me because I hit him early in the year. And it was in the budget. Somebody say amen. amen. So there's money in the chief's budget. And it is allocated. Listen to me. 
It's allocated for things like Look Up Clearwater. Not just because it's musical, but because it's specifically designed to engage people and to lift them up and to bring the community together with the various resources in business and in organizations as well as churches to help people, young people and people of all ages and all kinds of circumstances. So the, the focus of the Look Up event is one that there's money actually allocated in the budget of the police department to um, support those kinds of things. So. I was amazed at how quickly he had that figure in his mind. This is what I'm going to give you. And it was significantly above our highest level of sponsorship. So God's good. Now, I just sat there dumbfounded when he said that. But it, it was in his budget. And he just quickly, I didn't have to, you know, beg. I didn't have to go through it. I just said, this is what we're going to do. Boom. This is what I'm going to give you. Hallelujah. Now, I... I've come today, once again, I'm not going to talk about the budget of the city of Clearwater, but I do want to talk about heaven's budget because Jesus fully funded the budget of heaven with salvation, help, deliverance, and healing. Fully funded for eternity, for every need, for all time, for what you are needing in your life right now, this morning. Heaven's budget has been fully funded. It's sitting there. Not so much anymore nowadays, but uh, years ago when we would go out as a church and fellowship, I had a reputation of cleaning everything off my plate and then anything anyone else around me wasn't eating on their plate. And uh, so I remember you know, saying to people, are you, gonna, <clears throat> are you gonna finish that hunk of steak? Because the wait waitress was coming over. I'll take that. The waitress said, pick up a plate and start to take away some perfectly good bacon. I said, no, 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 hold on a minute. I'm going to take that bacon. I'll just use my hands, just take it right off the plate. If you're not going to take it, I'll take it. People, people have, have, I've heard people say over the years, you know, I'm not so sure if, if, if healing like we read about, miracles that we, we read about in the Gospels are for me. But I always say, well, you know what? I, every man, every woman has to be fully persuaded in their own mind. I am persuaded that it is for me. So hold on before you take that away. I can use that. I'll take that. Somebody say, I'll take it. So heaven's fully funded. And you know what? Healing, salvation, help, deliverance. It's all there right now waiting for you to seek a grant for your ministry. Do you have a proposal in your hand? Have you worked at developing a presentation for God, a proposal? Have you spent time to outline, this is what my purpose is, and this is what I intend to do in this city. This is what I am going to present on April the 14th. I'm going to be here with this, and I'm going to do this for the people of this city. Do you have a plan that involves your neighbors and the people around you? What about the children that live in your home? Or the relatives that you have or the people that you might not be very interested in? Do you have a proposal? Because it's the first thing God's going to look at when you go to Him and ask Him to release the resources of heaven. He's going to look at the plan and the proposal that you have for your life. 
And if your life is nothing more than getting up Monday through Sunday and following the same routine over and over again without any thought of having an impact on the world around you, you don't need that healing, deliverance, salvation, and power, and it's probably why you're living without it. The Bible says that God so loved the world, He gave His Son. And the Son, Jesus, didn't live like a king for 33 and a half years while the world came to His feet and served Him. He went out at His own expense, at His own need, in order to make distribution of the Father's grant to those who were around Him. And for that reason, when the crowds turned against him, when they hemmed him in on the edge of a cliff ready to throw him out, throw him over and do him in, the Bible says for some mysterious reason, the author couldn't even write it down and explain it, Jesus escaped out of their midst. How do you escape out of the midst? When you are surrounded, how do you escape when a gang has got you surrounded 360 degrees? How do you escape out of the midst? Are you listening to me? So Jesus didn't seek his own, but when he needed to escape, he escaped. God took care of him. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. It's in the budget. Go to God for, with a proposal. It's in the budget. The grant for your ministry is all there. Fully funded, waiting. What? No ministry? Do I hear some thoughts rumbling out there? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure I have a ministry. I have good news. If you might be sitting and think, thinking to yourself, this part of the message isn't for me. I didn't go to Bible school or I haven't heard a call. Doesn't mean you're not called. It means you're not listening. We don't always hear when God talks. Most of the time we hear what we want to hear when God talks. So are you sitting there thinking, well, I'm not. I don't have a ministry, you know, so if, if healing and, and the supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and the power of God, the things that God could grant, if they're available to people with a ministry, maybe I don't have a ministry. Hold on, I've come, I have a license to tell the truth. So I've come this morning licensed to tell you, you do have a ministry. You absolutely have a ministry. Every believer who has received Jesus, let me see a hand this morning from everyone who has received Jesus. Can I see your hand? If you've received Jesus, let me see the hand. All right, every hand's up, that's wonderful. That's up, save some time during the altar call. Um, I have good news for you. If you have received Jesus, you have received a ministry. In Matthew chapter 10, verse eight, Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, Cast out demons. Freely you received. Freely give. Now that's a call. Jesus didn't say you can do this. He said do this. Are you, he said go and do this. 
So you might be thinking to yourself, well, freely I've received. Well, I haven't received a raising from the dead yet. That's not something I've received. So if, I, I, if I'm to give what I've received, I haven't really received myself being raised from the dead. Well, you received Jesus, didn't you? And he was dead. So you've received one who was raised from the dead. And uh, though you haven't personally been raised from the dead, you received Jesus who rose from the dead to authorize you to ask for a grant to raise the dead. You have the one in you who was raised from the dead. And all of the sicknesses, all the diseases of this world, all of the different forms of oppression and brokenness in life that the devil's responsible for, that sin is responsible for, all of them were terminated in Jesus Christ and Jesus is in you. Free of all those things. He rose to take the throne in your heart, authorizing you to go to the Father in His name and receive a grant to give sight to the blind and life to the dead. Somebody say amen. So I'm just telling you, it's there. There's a grant for you and you have a ministry and you have not only an opportunity but a responsibility. Have you gone to the Lord and said, Father, I want you to fund my ministry. Father, I need funds to do my ministry. Well, the truth is that most Christians aren't doing that. They're sitting around waiting for it to happen. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't just happen. You go to the Father and you ask Him, Lord, I am responding to you because you first loved me. You came to me. I've read my Bible. How many of you have read your Bible? Many of you have read your Bible certainly enough times to know that you ought to be before the throne of God asking for a grant to do what I just read you out of Matthew chapter 10. You ought to be saying, I have a ministry, I need a grant to go do it, and I know it's in the budget. (laughs) Somebody say amen. amen. So you need to approach Jesus as his partner in the goals that he will give you a grant for. Number three, the third reason why the chief gave me that money, that grant, is because I asked him for it. Um, the, The chief was willing. Before I ever showed up, he was willing. Evidenced by the fact that it didn't take him more than two minutes to say, yeah, I'm gonna partner with you and here's the money. He didn't say, let me, Get my calculator. Let me talk with a committee. Let me uh, think on this a little. I'll get back to you. Call me up in a day or two. He just said, yeah, I'll partner with you, and this is how much I'm going to give you. So he was, will- he was willing before I walked through the door. But had I not asked, he would have never offered it. It was in the budget, but I would have never gotten it because I don't. The Bible says you have not because you don't ask. See, the problem is we, we have misunderstandings about asking. We think wanting is asking. We think reading the Bible about the budget is asking. We think thinking towards God is asking. But let me tell you, 
I did not text Chief Slaughter. I made an appointment. I cleaned myself up. I went into his office with my partner. I sat down, I prepared materials. I made a presentation. I was ready, serious. And I talked with him face to face, eyeball to eyeball. It's called prayer. It's called supplication. It's called fellowship with God. You see, too many of us spend time driving, balancing our coffee between our knees on our way to work, thinking towards God and then believing we've had a prayer time. Prayer is separation. Prayer is focus. Prayer is respect. Prayer is worship. Prayer involves your mind, not just your mouth. It involves thinking about these things that are coming out of my mouth. I'm not just parroting a bunch of pious mouthings at God. Oh, Lord, you are. And then repeating a bunch of stuff I heard in church. But I am thinking about what I am saying. And I am speaking to the Father out of a mind that has devoured the Word of God. I know what I mean when I say, you are the Most High. You are Lord of my life. Because I don't want the Father looking back at me and saying, no, I'm not Lord of your life. I saved you, but I'm sorry, I'm not Lord of your life. Well, I thought you liked hearing you're the Lord of my life. I thought you, you liked that, like, like people like a song. You understand what I'm saying? People like that. Well, I, th- I thought those were the lyrics that the Father liked. No, these are not lyrics. We're not saying these poems to God because He likes to hear them. The Bible says He has furnished us with the spirit of truth. Yes. It's called prayer because we work it out with God. God would much prefer that I come before him and say, you are Lord of all. And please forgive me that I've not let you be Lord of my life. The Bible says he'll start inclining his ear. He'll start listening. He'll start saying, appreciate that, my son. I've been wanting to talk with you about this. Why do you think that is? Well, Father, because da-da-da-da. Well, Maybe not that issue, but this issue over here. In other words, he starts being dad. He starts being my father because I start talking with him. I'm not so quick then to say, oh, you are Lord, because that little conviction inside tells me, well, he better be Lord, you know, if I'm going to say that. You think, wow, if that's the way it is, I, I might as well give up praying. I got a better suggestion. If that's the way it is, instead of giving up praying, why don't you start? walking in the Word of God and correcting those things and going to the Father and working it out. Prayer is not supposed to be talking at God, saying prayers. Prayer is coming before Him. So that third point I think is very important, and that is the point that the Father will give the grant if we ask. If we ask. And I want to challenge you this morning. I'm I'm not wanting to uh, uh, depress anybody, but we need to turn some rocks over. We need to think about 
our prayer life? Are we truly coming to the Lord to partner with him or are we just saying things that we think will get him to give us that little bit of something to get through the problems of the day? If our vision is only about us getting through another day or another week, our vision is too small. God's got something else in mind, a greater purpose for your life. He's wanting you to embrace it. He's wanting you not only to embrace it, but he's wanting you to put it ahead of those other things. Not that he's not interested to meet those other needs, but while you're worried about your emotions, how people talk to you, while you're worried about whether so-and-so is paying attention to you or not, while you're worried about... Uh, you know, all of those, whatever they might be, you think about them. All of those things are simply eating up your attention while God is trying to lift up your vision and say, I have a greater purpose for you. Don't worry about those things. I'll help you with them. I'll help you get through them. And people may still not want to talk to you. Your, your kids... Your, your children might go another three or four years not really respecting you. You, that you, you know, have got that one child among the three that, you know, they're going to go their own way. The Lord might say to you, please, I hope you don't tend to put your life on hold and not serve me and not put my kingdom first until your wife treats you the way you want her to treat you or your kids snap out of it and come out of that situation or your husband uh, gets with the program and, and responds to you this way. I hope you're not wanting to put all of that on hold and, and make that the priority of your life before you serve me. Because if you are, you're going to stay in those circumstances. They're just going to continue until they burned themselves out and burned you up with them. Jesus said, seek first. See that? Seek first. Put it in the first place. Make it a priority. Work that out with God. Go to the Father. When you go to God and ask Him for a grant because you are putting His kingdom first, let me tell you, that will be the day that healing, deliverance, power begin to be handed. He will so It'll shock you how quickly He will say, I could have had this all along. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Is it registering there? You know that famous verse in um, Mark 11, 24, Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire. When you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. Notice the phrase, when you pray. You see, simply seeing it in the budget is not receiving it. I think a lot of us open the Bible and we notice the promises in the Word. So we think because we've noticed the promise in the Word that we just kind of exert some kind of uh, expectation. And God reads that as faith. But faith is not just having an expectation or, quote, claiming those things. Just kind of, you know, casually and flippantly saying, oh, I claim that, hallelujah. I'm a king's kid, and, and I, I see it in the budget. And you do that until you're blue in the face, but you don't get it. It's not, it's not happening. Why is that? Is it because it's, it's a fake budget? Like the fake news, a fake budget? 
a fake gospel, you know, that, it, that it, there's all these con hidden conditions. No, there's only really one condition. The condition that really matters is the nature of our asking. How do we ask? Are we asking in a spirit of true communion that what the Father wants out of our life truly matters to us? See, God knows his kids. He knows where we're at. And so, <clears throat> what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. Like I said, I didn't text the chief. I had a face-to-face -face meeting with him. And uh, praise the Lord. Even though it was written in the grant, it wasn't until I specifically asked. And I was surprised. I didn't ask for that specific amount. I just said, would you partner and whatever you want to do. And what he came up with, he came up with on his own. Let me, let me simply say to you that the reason why you have to go to Jesus, and you can't just say, well, I'm claiming this and I'm standing for that, but you actually have to go to him in prayer and get an eyeball-to-eyeball connection with Jesus to receive, even though he says in his word, though. Those things are, remember I read to you, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, to appoint to you. The Spirit of the Lord, Jesus said, is on me. I have been anointed, I have been anointed, Jesus said, to give to you sight for blindness, joy for, so where do you go to get those things? Do you just simply run by his window and what, give him a, a, a claim, a wave, you know, wave? Thank you, Jesus, for that promise. I claim that. That's not prayer. That's not going to him. The reason why the Bible says, what things soever you desire, when you pray, that's the critical moment that you're able to receive is because all of heaven's grants must pass through the hands of Jesus. He is the hand of God and you don't get, even though God wants you to have those blessings, they're not gonna come unless you take them from Jesus' hand. Let that sink in while I share with you 2 Corinthians 1.20, which says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. That is why it is through Him, in other words, in prayer, that we utter our amen to God for His glory. All the promises pass through the hand of Jesus. So you must go to him and ask. If you're not receiving, don't use the cop-out that Christians have used for generations. God must not want me to have it. The first place you and I ought to look is, something isn't right about my asking. Something is amiss about the way I'm asking. I would rather believe that something's not right on my end than to believe something is shady on God's part. He says one thing, but then there's a million exceptions. If we were to rewrite the Bible based on popular Christian theology and believism, we would have to say concerning the promises of God, the Lord has promised peace. But here's all the conditions, and so 99% of the time, don't expect to get it, because 99% of the time, we fail at one of these conditions or another. 
God has made receiving so easy. The one thing we need to do is to align ourselves with His purpose, know that it's in the budget, and then come and ask, and we will receive. Can you say amen? When we study, by the way, as I kind of bring this down to a close, when we study the Our Father prayer, now I've already shared the previous couple of weeks that prayer that opens up, not with a singular, but prayer is a community expression. Our Father. Our Father. I come to you as a member of the earth's greatest fraternity. From among the sons and daughters of Adam, a people that have been redeemed out of the earth, salvation that is in me is in millions of other people. You who are managing my life are managing people all over the face of the earth. Wow, isn't it awesome that a little speck of dirt, a baby such as myself, has within him that great and vast story of redemption. The truth that is holding the universe together is in me. Wow, that is awesome. Our Father, our Father reminds me that I am just a particle. But God is willing to condescend because of His great love and pour all of that love into you, that one particle of faith, and put that great plan of redemption in you. It elevates you in a way that nothing in your life could ever come close to elevating you. It gives you a life to live and a position to walk in that the world could never give you no matter how powerful or famous or wealthy or how much things go your way you could ever achieve. So, when studying the Our Father prayer, we learn... Are your seatbelts buckled? Okay, that's good. Just want to make sure. Well, I, I'm going to take a sharp turn here. I don't want to lose anybody. I remember once when I was a kid, my dad took a sharp turn and the car door wasn't shut properly and it flew open as he went around and my sister went flying out the door. And um, she was just a little bit of a thing. And fortunately, we grabbed her and she was held on with one hand to the door, hanging outside the car, kept her from being scraped along the road and pulled her back in. I never forgot that. So I, I you know, I, I've seen what can happen when you take a real fast turn. So I'm going to take a sharp turn. I just want to make sure you're buckled in. When we study the Our Father prayer, we begin to learn that that prayer is primarily interested in fulfilling God's will and only secondarily interested in meeting your needs. Amen. The primary focus of the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples was to help them to do what God wants done and secondarily to meet their needs. So our needs are not left unthought about, but the first and the primary thought is our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's primary. Somebody say amen. amen. You know, the, that principle is all over the scriptures. 
I don't have time to preach it out to you, but if you're taking uh, notes, you might want to write down John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 16, where Jesus said, You didn't choose me, I chose you, and I appointed you so that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. There you go. God's wanting to grant. He, God wants to write you a check. He wants to write you a grant. Why would He do that? Why would the chief write me a big check? Has nothing to do with whether He likes me or doesn't like me. Has to do with the fact that He has a will and what I want to do fits into that will. And I was eager to do it. Um, you might want to write down John chapter 14 and verse 14. I'll, I'll actually quote this one to you. Jesus, also speaking here, says, Yes, I will grant, I myself will do for you whatever you ask in my name as representing all that I am. I will do for you. I noticed that he didn't say, I will give you. He said, I will do for you. Much more powerful than just saying, I'm going to write you a check. I am willing to come with you, and I will do for you. God will do things in your life. I'm willing to do it if you ask in my name. Because you can't pray and say, Father, I'm asking in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without the first thing happening in your mind is, Lord, God, salvation, winning the lost redeeming mankind the mission begins to fill your heart and mind you can't ask in Jesus name without your mind thinking about the mission of Jesus you immediately realize that he's he's cut off from Santa Claus he's not heaven's Santa Claus but he is willing to richly meet our needs and abundantly above all that you can think or ask but it's the people that Serve him with a mission. Can you say amen? Uh, I'm going to close with this thought. Um, when the chief told me that he'd partner with me and he was going to write me a check for X number of dollars, I immediately did four things. Immediately I did four things. The first two I did actually right in his presence in the office. And then the next I did actually as I was walking down the stairs with my pastor friend out in the parking lot and for the next several days and couple weeks afterwards. Um, the four things I did, I want you to know I did all four of these and I am continuing to do them before actually getting the money in my hand. I still haven't gotten the check. <laughs> I, I just have to call him and say, I'm coming by to get the check. I haven't done that yet. Why? Because I know I have it. I know I have it. I'm not going to need it until a couple weeks before the event, but I know I've got it. I did four things. Number one, I rejoiced. When he said it, I wasn't going to play it cool and act like I wasn't happy. I was happy. I rejoiced in front of the chief. I said, oh, praise God. Looked at my friend. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. I rejoiced. Number two, when I calmed down, I thanked him. I thanked him. Say it with me. I thanked him. Thank you, Chief Slaughter. Thank you. Thank you. 
I thanked him. Some Christians can't thank God until they actually get the check in hand. Because I've asked before and I didn't get it, so I'm not so sure I'll, that I can really thank him yet. Um, as I was walking down the stairs, because <clears throat> um, he's on the second floor, out in the parking lot with, with Pastor Ramsey, I was so excited I just couldn't keep it to me. Both of us were like giddy, like little school kids. And uh, so we begin to testify. The third thing I did, I testified. Did you see what God just did? I left that meeting and I have blabbed about the chief partnering with us. And I haven't told people the amount, but I've said he's, he's contributed a large amount to the event. I have blabbed it all over the place. I'm talking about it. I'm telling it. I'm testifying. And you might think, aren't you afraid that you're going to look mighty foolish when that check doesn't show up? If I thought it wasn't going to show up, I wouldn't be testifying. I would have played it cool. I would have held back. I would have thought, oh, I hope this is real. I did more than rejoice. I did more than thank Him. I did more than testify. The fourth thing I did, I spent the money. I started spending the money. Before you have it? Darn right. When I say I started spending it, I signed contracts or I made agreements or you know, I haven't actually really spent the money. You've got to have it to spend it. But I made plans to spend it. I started planning for the money. I've got a budget too. If you're going to serve God, I hope you've got a budget. You know you've got certain needs. Once you get it, once you know that you have what you received, what you've asked for, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, if I can do those four things, rejoice, thank Him, testify, and plan to use the money before I even get it with the police chief of Clearwater, don't you think that you can do that with your heavenly Father? Don't you think you can do that with Jesus? Don't you think that you can believe God, ask and receive, and then act like you've got it? The devil comes in there all the time. And, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody came up to me after the message and said, you know, if it were me, I don't think I'd be publicly saying, because you said you haven't gotten the money yet. What if you end up, you see, the devil always works with people like that. People who are afraid of what if it doesn't work out? What if it doesn't come about? What? And I'm not saying that those are not legitimate concerns. But when you're dealing with the Father in heaven who holds all things by the word of his power, you've got to make up your mind. You're either going to let the devil Work on your fears, or you're going to praise the Lord and bless the Lord and thank Him because you've got it. You've got to make up your mind. You cannot straddle two worlds. You're either going to, the Bible says the just live by faith. You're either going to live by faith. You know, you can always tell those that mourn in Zion because they're not praising the Lord. They don't think they're mourning, but they are. 
Have you ever been depressed and didn't know it? You don't have to raise your hand, but you have been depressed and didn't know it a lot more than you think you have. You see, God's standard of what you should look like is dancing through your day. You get up dancing. Jump out of bed, click your heels, praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. You are awesome. I love you today. This is the day the Lord's made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. When you can't do that, you're mourning. You say, well, lots of people get up on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah, unsaved people. People that don't have heaven's resources granted to them. Come on, church, listen to me now. I see the way sometimes you and I drag our sorry self into church. Now, I don't blame you for dragging yourself into church like that. The week's tough, life's tough, life happens. But you don't have to leave like that. Come on, mercy me. At some point, you ought to be able to wake up and say, come on, Terry, get with it. Come on, John. Come on, Barbara. Come on, Diane. You got to be able to look at yourself and say, come on. Am I going to sit here and mourn while heaven has poured out all this on me? Or am I going to get up and bless the Lord? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my back. But you don't know. I couldn't sleep last night. My back, oh, have mercy. Listen, I got up at a little before 3 o'clock this morning. So, and I'd only been asleep for a couple hours. I was so tired that in, until probably about an hour before the service, I was dizzy. I felt so weak and so tired. So, come on, church, listen to me. We all have reasons why we can continue to mourn in Zion. But he has been anointed to give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Come to him and tell him, write that grant. Come on, God, I intend to share this. I'm not going to keep it to myself. Write me a grant, Jesus. Amen? Close your Bible, stand with me. Hallelujah. The Lord is worthy to be praised. You know, I could just, I could just hear the thoughts sometimes that the devil tries to run by people's mind. I'm not going to keep coming here if I'm going to get beat up every Sunday. This is just... You, you understand. There is a, there's a difference between getting beat up and being exhorted. Now, if you have no interest whatsoever in being happy, then maybe you are being beat up. But if you want, if you like being happy, I do. I love yeah, it. I do too. I love it too. I love being happy. So, you know, if you like having joy, if you like, well, then you don't feel like you're getting beat up. You feel like, oh, someone's waking me up. There's difference between being woke up and being beat up. Hallelujah. It's all about where you're at and how you look at it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sure the Pharisees felt beat up by Jesus. You know, he said some tough things. But the people that love what he said, you know, ended up being in a really good position because of it. And God wants to put you in a good position. All right, I would like you right now, if you would, let's take these next couple of moments before we dismiss.